Hello and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy and we are joined by some fancy people today. Mike? Top hat and monocle. Tommy? I wear clothes that don't have holes in them. And our fanciest of guests, Liam. Go. We are a family of creatives going through the story writing process and we're bringing you along for the ride. How was everyone's week this week? Don't say anything. What did I do this week? You technically did say something right then, Tommy, so like, you oh, just ruined it. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I just worked and then worked some more and didn't really get a lot accomplished. I don't know. A lot of like personal things accomplished, just work things? No, no, yeah. I didn't get anything accomplished in life, really. I just, <laughs> I felt like I worked all week long and then maybe I would come home and play a little bit of video games, but that was about it. I started working on our mirror project and I'll talk a little bit about that later. So that was, that was fun. So I guess I did that. I did something. Guys, I did something. So proud. I've been doing things, I guess. Not really, if I'm honest. I mean, I played an ungodly amount of video games and then I got so burnt out that anytime I've tried to play video games with Liam in the past three days, I'm just like, I'm bored. (laughs) Like, I just get off immediately. I'm like, can't do it. Can't play games. But I have been working on a few projects here and there. Maybe something... A little big. We may get into. We may not. I don't know. We'll see. A little teaser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liam. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, Leo, how's your week? I haven't really done much. All of us have been so productive. So productive. <laughs> Amy, you. Well, I watched all of the Hobbit movies this week, so. That's a big accomplishment. Okay, first of all, and, why? <laughs> well, because here's the thing. I never wanted to, and then I saw that they were on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, well, all right, I got the time. Sure, why not? And I couldn't sleep one of these nights, so I watched the first two, and I was like, well, I got to finish it now, I guess. That's like so a I whole sleep it. amount of watching. Yeah, it's, yeah, I couldn't sleep, so I just watched The Hobbit. You know, the, the first Hobbit movie was the only movie that I've seen in theaters in 3D. Oh. And I watched it specifically because Peter Jackson was filming it from the perspective of making it a 3D movie. Like, that was the entire point of making The Hobbit the way he did. And so it was an interesting, interesting experience. I liked it. It's also the only one I've ever seen. So I probably won't ever go see another because 3D I, is totally dead until Avatar 2 comes out. And then they bring back 3D televisions again and then nobody oh, buys geez. them. I will say after watching all three of them, I think the first one was probably the best one. Oh, definitely. It was the most interesting and it had a good sprinkle of like nostalgia and newness and they still kept the world interesting and, you know, introduced more of the Lord of the Rings realm. And yeah, side tangent. I, I enjoyed it. I think that the so they obviously took it. Originally, I heard that they were going to do The Hobbit. And Peter Jackson's like, I need to make it into two films to actually tell The Hobbit. And then the studio's like, why don't you just do a trilogy? And then, of course, they added a bunch. If you've read the book and then you've watched The Hobbit, there is so much more in there. But I think they tried to do the Aragorn, like, here is a king story sort of thing with Dorg, the dwarf. I don't remember what his name was. Uh, the, main, the main dwarf. Shot in the dark. <laughs> Thorman Dorg, of course. Thorman Dork. Thorman Dorg. Come on, pronounce Thorman it right. Oh, okay. It's more yeah, guttural. 
So Thormendorg. Oh, oh, there okay. we go. So yeah, I think they tried to do that and they expanded it too much, and it was it was a little bit of shame. The Hobbit is one of my favorite books as a child, and even now it's it's such a fun book to read. So I was slightly disappointed uh, when I saw the movie, but you know whatever, it's, it's a movie, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there was such big hype for it when it first came out, and everyone's like, "You gotta watch it." I'm like, "Eh, no, not no, I don't want to now." So I didn't, and I was like, "I'll watch it on my own terms." It just took me like. Insomnia. <laughs> it took insomnia to be like, sure, this is a good idea. Yeah. I do remember trying to watch it years ago and I fell asleep and I was like, well, that's a clear cut indication of maybe I shouldn't watch this movie. And I never went back until this week. So yeah, I thought it was good. You fall asleep I- watching a lot of movies. Just like put that out there. I've watched a lot of movies with you and you're always next to me. And I'm watching, I finish the movie, I turn around and you're just there dead asleep. I push you and you're just still asleep. So you're just like, I don't know if it's the the movie's fault. Well, it depends upon if I've seen it or not. If I've seen it and I'm watching it with someone that wants to watch it, then I'm like, cool. I'm not. Yeah, I I can fall asleep. That's fine. But if I haven't seen it, I try to stay awake, except for The Hobbit for the first time, in which case I passed right out. (laughs) I've known a bunch of people that can't fall asleep unless a television is on the background, which I find very weird. Is it something that like that odd. for you? Like you hear the noise, Amy, and you go, oh, nope, I got to go to sleep now because the TV's on. No, I actually don't like falling asleep to like the sound of TV or movies. I think that a lot of times when I do fall asleep, I'm probably already tired. And if I've seen the movie before, I know what's going to happen. I'm like, I'm bored. I'm just going to pass out now. So it's more of like I'm bored and I'm stuck here watching this movie because someone else wanted to. So might as well take a nap. But I actually really, I, I like to sleep with my, a fan on, and that's about it. I don't really like to sleep with like a television or a movie going. I, I cannot sleep without a fan. Yeah. It's so I, bad. I need consistent white noise, not like, no, there's a big battle. Oh, here's like a quiet, wonderful, heartwarming scene. No, there's another battle. I'm like, no, my ears. <laughs> I just like somebody in the room when I'm sleeping just going, yay, yay, Mike, sleep, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Cheering you on. Yeah, I would a fan. hate that. I, oh, oh, God. No. I'm a dad. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a dad. Where are your children? <laughs> it's Louis. Louis is his child. No, no. It's not his full name. Mike was his full name. Louis Weinster Barkington Drummond. The fourth? Or just. Yeah. No. God, no. He's, no He's the one and only of his kind. Yeah, oh, okay, thank, okay. thank God. <laughs> You know, I well, I have, to, I have to wear earplugs when I go to sleep so I can drown out noise. Liam, what do you do? Do you just fall asleep like a regular person? I don't sleep. Just oh. kind of just let things go and happen with some fans because it's really hot. I just chew on an electrical cord and recharge myself. So I have two fans. I hug a pillow. You have to hug a pillow. It's a must. It's a requirement. Hugging a pillow is really nice. I, I got myself out of that because I, I realized I needed to sleep with that. So then I got myself out of that, worked really hard, and then the AC broke. And I was like, it's a lot harder to not sleep in summer Hmm. when it's 90 degrees in my room. So I'm like, I'm going to go back to the pillow. (laughs) Uh, It helped. It's helped. What else did you do this week, Amy? Did you just watch the The Lord of the Rings prequels called The Hobbit? We we played disc golf. Oh, we did. That was actually really fun. We went to a very, it was like a, it's not really a trainer's course, but it's like the best beginner's course around here. Mike and I have been to it like, eight nine times it's ridiculous did you hit the barn i didn't 
I was so proud, didn't hit the barn this time. Okay, not to brag or anything, but I got a negative one. So, <laughs> let's go, let's go. Um, I got a plus 38, so <laughs> not to brag or anything, but I did really well, too. So. I mean, golf. <laughs> Amy played the course twice. <laughs> well, <laughs> just playing once. <laughs> it was wait Liam what was your score when you did that bro we don't want to talk about it I have a high score wins <laughs> so yeah the highest score always wins I don't remember yeah. I've been there so many times I don't remember any of my scores I remember the last time I went there I got the highest score though <laughs> so I was progressing backwards uh, okay, I see what you're saying what's now. the best form of golf is it disc golf um, yeah, yeah. yes because so, golf is my bad awful but it's also mini golf i mean come on that's pretty fun okay you know what mini golf there you is go fun. mini golf's the best one but mini golf's fun because you're consistently moving and that's why disc golf is fun there's a place i always wanted to go to in spokane and it's like a mini golf bar but it's on tables and it's like you're shooting pool it's it's like that sounds cool. it's like so table much fun golf i can't explain it i want to play table golf yeah that sounds oh. great um insane at pool by the way just like to say the sniper i hit the longest shots only they're liam right there if they're right there i can't hit them yeah <laughs> but if they're far away thumb with liam if it's very very extremely hard to do he can do it if it's the easiest thing you've ever seen he's gonna fail over and over and over again <laughs> again he's the only person who's ever gotten a hole in one in our family <laughs> at disc golf and it pisses me off i've tried so hard and liam's just like Eh, and it Oops, goes straight in. I made it. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> and yet he still got the highest score? Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> this is what baffles well, me. I think the course we got at, wasn't that, was that the long one by the train tracks, right? That was the time I got the whole one? No, I think you got it north near Winston. I don't know how clear as the day. It was near a park. I also was thinking that it was the first time that I played disc golf with Liam when I was in Maryland. I thought he got a hole in one there. <laughs> Oh, so we have so three different. So wait, different you just keep getting holes in one. <laughs> maybe, maybe actually, he has gotten multiple holes in one. I think, I think it's right. Actually, actually, I'm pretty sure it was the the park that Tommy was thinking of. And that course, I always start off doing really beautiful, and it's fantastic. And then about hole eight <laughs> or nine, I always screw up so bad. And then for the rest of the course, it's just frustration and cursing. And there's trees. There's two massive trees right in front of this this hole. You have to get it right in between the trees. And if you don't, you're absolutely screwed. And that's the one where we find out our family's very competitive on because you just hit a tree like, bah, 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 like you're just screaming to the rest of the course. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. I remember when we were playing, I would shoot something and I would bounce off a tree. I'm like, dang it. And Tommy's like, that would have been perfect if it didn't hit the tree. I'm like, but it hit the tree. <laughs> it would have been perfect sure. if it yeah. went in. Yeah, but yep. it didn't go in. My uh, I was thing. channeling my inner Liam. Is every time I throw, I pretend that there's no trees or no obstacles anywhere. And so I'm just going to try to throw it the best I can towards the thing, towards the hole, and pretend that there's nothing there. But eventually it hits something. So See, I always pretend like everybody that I've ever cared about is watching me very carefully. And if I screw <laughs> up, I'll disappoint them. And then I screw up I and then I pee my pants and cry. Literally just runs away. And you just hear a crying man, and it gets more echoey as it goes on. And it's an ugly cry. It's the one where you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That is terrible. So this week, as well as playing disc golf and watching The Hobbit, I also watched all three seasons of The Boys. 
Jesus. I don't know how you did that. That's so, so much. So none of us were productive this week. None <laughs> nope. That's <laughs> like, 24 hours of, of time watch. Yeah. yeah, well, I know that you guys had wanted to talk about it, and you kept pestering me, Liam specific, Amy, why aren't you watching The Boys? Amy, have you been watching The Boys? Amy, aren't you watching The Boys? First of all, I never pestered you, because I was like, it's three seasons, don't watch it, it's too much to watch. Yeah, Mike was <laughs> that I did. He was yeah. reverse thing. M- yeah, Mike was using reverse psychology, we were <laughs> yeah. using all different methods. <laughs> no, no. I, was, I was legitimately like... The third season's good, so watch that, but then you have to watch everything before it to, for it to make sense, and it's just not worth it. You know, you don't want to do you want to do 16 hours worth of TV to get to eight hours of good stuff? To me, it felt like, very much felt like Barry, but with superpowers. Like, all of the characters are terrible, everyone is awful, and there's a lot of, like, well, I think less than Barry, because I think Barry does a really good job of the character development, whereas the boys, it's more of like the plot development and less of the character development, in my opinion, even though there, it is still there. But it gave me Barry vibes, but just with superpowers. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I like it. After seeing all three seasons, I'm like, I- I'll watch more of it, but I don't, I don't know if I like it or not. Hmm. Problem with shows like that is you can't watch them too quickly. I found out in my own my trek of watching shows is that when it comes to higher level shows like the boys, you can't consume things like that too quickly because there's just too much information, too much going on in like one episode or two episodes that you have to give yourself a, a bit of time between episodes and maybe like a day or two to more process that and help that. Like when I watched Game of Thrones extremely quickly within a week or two, that was a problem. Because when I watched the first two seasons of Game of Thrones, like it was way easier to process that and way better. And I felt like I liked it more. And then the next six seasons, I finished way too quickly. And I was like, oh, this is information overload. This is way too much. So when it comes to like higher level shows that I try to just like take my time. I think binge watching actually hurts the quality and enjoyment of a lot of shows. Unless they're bad shows. So you can just laugh away. I agree with that. I would say that a big problem with consumption of media is binging in general. Although it can be very good to just do it and have fun and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and blow through seven seasons of a TV show that's kind of crappy. It doesn't give you time to process. And processing, I think, and especially the anticipation for the next episode is a, a really good thing. If it's a show that I just don't care about, I will binge it to get through it. But if it is something that I am actually really invested in, I don't really want to watch more than an episode or two in a day. And even then, maybe give it a little bit of space before I go to the next one, because then I think it sticks with me longer. I think that's kind of the feeling I had when watching The Boys. I wanted to watch it because I know that you guys had said to watch it. So I've been wanting to watch it, but I I wasn't excited about watching it. So I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, let's just get through this. I didn't have a hard time watching it or anything. It gave me so much anxiety. I just felt so anxious the whole time. So I, I was actually glad to be able to binge it because then it wasn't like the anxiousness prolonged it was just like cool once i get done with this i don't have to feel anxious anymore and so i i'm glad that i binged it but i don't i don't regret watching it as it came out because or i don't regret not watching it as it came out i mean just because yeah it it was a really interesting concept of using of kind of like mocking whole marvel dc superhero vibe in general 
I just don't know if it's a a show that I would I would normally go after though. But I also I'm just kind of sick of anything to do with superheroes. So maybe that's why. Even if it portrays the superheroes in a different light. Yeah, I think a flooded market in terms of superhero stuff, especially because of the past, you know, 15 years where Marvel has been like, hey, we're just going to produce three movies a year and you're going to consume them and enjoy it. You know, The Boys is definitely a different idea of that. It's like, well, what if Superman was evil? You know, what what would happen? How do you fight against that? My favorite part of the show is actually the anxiety that Homelander produces. I think that that is the only reason I watch the show anymore. It has a lot of real big gross out gags and shock value stuff. And it's that's kind of fun. Sometimes a lot of that's like, well, I would never would have thought I would see that on TV. Yeah. You know, beginning of season three. But <laughs> seeing some of the small moments where you have an all powerful, emotionally arrested development stunted man child and all of a sudden something like just triggers them and they don't know how to deal with it and you're like oh that person could just kill you at any second and that i really really love the tension that they build in small scenes so that's personally why i watch it but you know i I don't know if i'll keep watching it's not it's not entertaining enough to me to continuously go through it unless something happens but it seems like in three seasons nothing has really changed except for Homelander's gotten a little bit more bold each season. That's what I like. I think that's the main buildup of the show. It's definitely a show not about the boys. It's definitely taken the Homelander part to heart. I think that it got the best. Um, Most of the reviews and most of the people were more raving about Homelander and the acting and the character. And so they're realizing Homelander's the face of the show. So I think they're trying to build his character up slowly so that they can make a big reveal in season four or five of whatever he's gonna do but i could be wrong too i don't know i don't know how hard closely hard they're following the comics oh it's based off of comics mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. oh interesting i am not entirely sure if they're following it. i know that a lot of the episode names are based upon specific comics that were in the series mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know oh, okay I think it's like biggest gripe with the show is uh is is plot armor. I think almost every single character in the show has plot armor and it really bothers me unless they were like newly introduced and then oh they're newly introduced and you kind of like them, boom, they're going to definitely die. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, Stranger Things? I think it's, what? Yeah, I was about to say it's very similar <laughs> Stranger Things problem. For all the stuff the show does right, like I I really enjoy the boys hammering me over the head with their metaphors. I think that's that's something that I don't enjoy in most shows where it's like, oh, yeah, I see you're making this really obvious. Shut up. I get it. But with the boys, it's like, how can we make you uncomfortable and anxious whilst hammering over this metaphor right over your head? And an example, spoiler alert, sorry, a train living with his like enemy's heart. <laughs> He's literally living with a piece of his enemy. And that's 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 a metaphor that's hammered over my head. And I, I love it. I love that. I don't know. It's like the only show that I, it's so obvious, but I also really enjoy it being so obvious because it's superheroes. They're big, bold and crash. So my favorite scene in the whole show so far was right when Homelander becomes CEO and he's in the boardroom and everybody's going around and just kissing his ass and going, oh, yeah, you know, congratulations. You're you're obviously qualified for this. And then one lady goes, hey, I'm glad you're present or something. So we also have this problem here and we want to how do you want to address this? Because we don't want the stock to drop. And you could tell immediately he was so uncomfortable and so like, I don't know what to do. And so all he did was lash back out at her of like, 
how dare you, you know, say something so stupid to me. And you could tell how insecure Homelander was at the moment. And it was a very quick turn from a, oh, he's like, obviously something's wrong here. This person is at a moment's notice in a hair trigger. And so I kind of like those moments to show you like, yes, this is what actual people can be like when they are backed into a corner, when they're narcissists and they have no idea how to respond. They just start attacking. Yeah, he's always on the attack. Yeah. Yeah. So there's small stuff like that that I enjoy. And then there's a bunch of filler that I'm I'm not particularly fond of, but it's fun. Two things I wanted to point out. One, I thought it was interesting how the word the boys wasn't even mentioned until the last episode of season one. I like that they did that because I feel like normally with these kind of groups, they kind of like talk about it straight away, you know, with TV shows. But this one, yeah, it was it was even in a passing. It's like, yeah, me and the boys are are doing this or something. It was just like a very casual passing. It wasn't even like a big, like, yes, we're the boys. It was just like, yeah, me and the boys have got this. Or it was just like a very casual thrown out thing. And I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then two, I think the reason why, I mean, Homelander is a piece of shit and I don't like him at all. But the thing I thought was interesting for me that I couldn't stand him is that a lot of times I look at people's mouths when they're talking since I'm hard of hearing. So I have to watch all the characters' mouths as I'm like watching them, even though I, I have the uh, closed captioning on just to make sure I can like hear what they're saying or read what they're saying. But there was something about Homelander, the actor who plays Homelander, his mouth made me so uncomfortable. It was just like his lips were so small and he always had his lips kind of like Puckered. Yeah, he's he's got like yeah. a tiny mouth like, in as yes. Homelander. I don't know if it's how he acts and other stuff. I haven't seen Anthony. He always does like a weird okay. like An- Anthony Star. Star he always does a very weird like lip quiver thing. Yeah. Whenever yeah. he's being confronted. But then and it's, he like gets angry. It's like whoa. One thing I like about the way he acts is as soon as he goes from that like tiny mouth anger into his full on hey cheesy smile. Like I love the way that he transitions from I am unsure to I am super picturesque, Captain control, America, yeah. Superman. Look at me, I'm handsome guy. Like I love that. I understand what you guys are saying about how the tiny mouth and like, oh, and then he like smiles to the big, bright smile. I'm not even talking about that. I'm simply talking about physically the way his mouth, like his lips and how he basically has like no lips. So it just kind of looked like his face had a hole with teeth in it. And it it just like weirded me out so much. And that like made me weirdly uncomfortable watching him along with the fact that he's a huge douchebag. So it, it was just interesting that that was the thing that I picked up on the most was like, I can't stand to look at your mouth when you're talking. I don't want to watch you anymore. (laughs) So to move on for the boys, I actually do have a a subject I wanted to talk about today, unless anyone else had anything to say about the boys. The boys is entertaining. I don't think it's the greatest TV show ever. I think it has a lot of fun stuff, has a lot of faults too. But you know, if you, if you are interested in checking it out, just go for it. You know, in my opinion, the Boys is one of the better shows that have come out in the past recent years. It's definitely not one of the best shows of all time, but it's definitely pretty good and pretty high quality for I feel like a lot of the crap that comes out nowadays. My turn. Uh, <laughs> the Boys is uh, pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> no, The Boys is really awesome because of the moments it builds up to. Like, mm. I think there's a lot of in-between moments that are they're lulls. It's just, okay, what are we doing here? But when you get to those, like, aha moments or the grody moments or, like, the uncomfortable moments, those are where the boys shine in those tiny little bits. Yeah. 
I guess you have to have the bad in the the uh, you have to have the bad in order to get to the really good stuff. If you just had yeah. those shocking, gross, or horrifying moments throughout the entire thing, it would you go numb to it. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, what I have gathered you all here today to talk about is video games. Yay, video games. You Specifically, you didn't even tell us. I totally, no, I totally gathered you for sure. That's exactly what happened. That's we don't do lie. this every Sunday. It's fine. Oh. So I was watching a video of video game map size comparison. And I thought it was really fascinating to see. I always love those those comparison videos just to see, you know, how big or small something actually is compared to all the other, you know, mainstream games. And that got me thinking about what makes a video game feel big. Is it, in fact, the map? Because some of these maps are really freaking huge. Like Minecraft, for instance, absolutely massive. So is it how massive the map is or is it the content that they put in this massive map that makes it feel really big? Or can a small game that has minimal map square footage and minimal content also be a big game? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. What do you think? Discuss. Go. Well, one of the most well-known maps of all time is probably GTA V. And relatively compared to most games, it actually has a smaller map. For the time, it was like a decent size. But I feel like compared to a lot of games, it is, it's not a small map but it's definitely not big for nowadays standards. But what I feel like they did a really good job of was filling in a bunch of little details and filling in a bunch of little just details about the game and just little nuances throughout the whole map and the whole thing that makes a difference from the mountains to the countryside to the desert to the city that makes the map and the world feel a bit more real, feel a bit more alive. And I think at that scale, it is really rare and it's really well done. That's why I think it is one of the best maps of all time of any video game because it just has it's a really good size with insanely high detail. I think it's one of the most detailed maps ever, and I think it makes not just the world feel bigger, but just more real and better in that sense. I like GTA 5's map, and I feel like it is incredibly detailed, but I also feel like there is large swaths of nothing, which I understand you have to have to kind of balance out. And uh, when you're in the city or when you're in some of the desert areas, it's really, really great to just look around and see how detailed it is. But when you start zooming out, there's there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, just thinking of, I think it's like, I'm reading this list right now. It's like what, 50 square miles or something. Yeah, 49 square miles. 49, yeah. But then if you look at the actual map and you go, oh yeah, there's a giant lake in like the northern part that I never go anywhere around. And there's some of the mountains you can go up. Like, yeah, that's fun. So to me, even though it has an incredibly detailed map, I don't know if I would say all 49 square miles are functional in the same way. But I guess it doesn't have to be because, you you know, you're driving around really fast to get from one side of the map to the other. It's a good map. Don't get me wrong. And they, they did a really good job making it in general. Video game map size differs, or at least a perception of the map size differs depending on how fast you can travel through the map. Because I'm looking right now, Burnout Paradise is 200 square miles and GTA is 49 square miles. But Burnout Paradise, you can travel like 200, 300 miles per hour through the entire thing and just zoom around. While GTA is a little slower, granted, you do have planes. But if you have a plane, you can go through the entire map in like a minute, but not even like you can go really fast through it. If you take something like Red Dead Redemption, for example, two 
it's 29 square miles. It is a whole freaking 20 square miles less than GTA, and it feels humongous. And that's because you can only travel through with a horse. And then on top of that, it being so dense in almost every location that you go to, every building you can go into, every NPC, even if it's just for a teeny, teeny bit you can interact with, making this entire world, at least in my opinion, feel way bigger than it has any right feeling. I, I think that's actually a super good point is the speed at which you go through the map determines the size or the feel of the size for the map for me. Because mm-hmm. when you look at something like Breath of the Wild, it it's a yeah. decent size map. It's pretty big. But you also have to run around a lot and climb mountains, which slows down your progression through the world. But, you know, they have enough details in there that you're always interested at what is coming up next or how to go through the world. But, yeah, I definitely like when you think about something like Burnout Paradise or or GTA, when you're driving super fast, those details kind of blur by you. Mm-hmm. And unless you're running across the map looking at them, maybe you don't realize how how big it actually is. Yeah, it's it it gets ridiculous. Well, I also think that when you have these open world games, like I think Mike was saying, there is a lot of filler. So there is a lot of places where there's there's kind of nothing. It's it's mostly, you know, really nice scenery. So is that helpful in a game to have these really massive open world areas that a lot of it isn't utilized? It's mostly for the scenery. Like I know with Assassin's Creed games and with, you know, Elden Ring, you find things all throughout the world, little secrets hidden here and there. But as far as main plot points go, most of the space isn't utilized. It's mostly to get all these extra little bits and bobs. So is that does that make a game better or does that make it not as big because it's just looking out for these bits and bobs and not actually like truly utilizing those spaces for the story and the create the content, I guess? Yeah, I do think that uh, oftentimes games will try to get larger map sizes as opposed to content. In certain games like Assassin's Creed styles, or a lot of Ubisoft maps in general, or companies that kind of copy them, they take maps and then they just litter it with waypoints and the same repetitive tasks over and over again to give you an idea of, hey, go here, look at this. And that's the way they fill in the maps. Whereas when you look at something like the Grand Theft Auto series, every map in all the games that I played had unique locations and it wasn't a lot of really cookie cutter repetitive stuff. So they did do a great job of making sure that the area that was used was actually used as opposed to just having these large swaths of stuff in between that might be empty or it might be filled with the same repetitive go collect five bananas task or something, you know? Yeah, I guess it's like, yeah, if you're stopping in between for me, because I've been playing so much Elden Ring playing that game, the map is pretty dang big, but there's always a point of interest where I want to stop. And there's never waypoints telling me you're going to get this here. You don't know what you're going to get. So you want to go to it so you can figure out what you're going to get. And you may get something really awesome and useful and you may not. And I think that's like the beauty, not to be, you know, the person who's crapping on all the Assassin's Creed games. But for me, when I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that map is ridiculously big. It is huge. But playing it, it felt very empty because every even though the architecture, I believe, is like almost one to one for how it was back then. 
even though how they built it and the scenery, it was all very, very beautiful. It also just felt very empty. It was like, here's a million waypoints in the city. And here are the only places you're wanna you're gonna wanna go to. Whilst in Elden Ring, it was like you don't know what you're gonna get, you don't know where you're gonna get it. You just go. You see something looks cool, cool, go to it. It's very similar to Breath of the Wild in that sense. You're like, I wanna climb that mountain. And so you'd go and climb the mountain. You feel accomplished in your own right. I, I think the most important thing in map design from a player's perspective, because I obviously don't design maps. But when I'm thinking about how maps are made and you look at any of the like the Elder Scrolls games or Fallout or you know Bethesda style RPGs, I guess, or Breath of the Wild, Elden Ring, any of those, it's all about sight lines. When you get to something interesting, can you look around and see another interesting thing that you want to go to at some point? And I feel like the games that really succeed at open world are are things like that where you just look in the distance and there's something unique visually and you go i wonder what that is i want to go over to that now obviously that does mm-hmm. contrast with sort of more realistic style games and i say realistic but you could say rockstar i guess um, even though in that aspect while you're riding around in red dead redemption 2 you do see unique things and you know that because there is a cabin there it's almost guaranteed to be a unique experience. So that really like drags you towards going to a new place. But just seeing what, what as a player, as you're going around the map and you're looking at things, what does that do for you? If, if it is a you know cookie cutter game, you're going to go, oh, it's another one of these things. I don't want to fight the monster. But if it is a unique game like a Rockstar game or Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you, you go, I know whatever I do when I go to this spot is going to be unique. So therefore, I want to go to see what it is. And I think that's probably the most important thing in games is filling it in with unique experiences that are visually different so that you know this is a spot I want to move towards. I will say to that point, the Lord of the Rings Skywalker saga, Lord of the Rings, oh my gosh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings on the brain, apologies, the Star Wars Legos Skywalker saga game did a really good job of making you want to go to all of these planets. I mean, it is a massive game because there is so much to explore. Unfortunately, a lot of what you're exploring is kind of those repeat tasks that you're like, okay, I get it. I'm a little bored now. But the thing that draws you in is you get to explore these cities and worlds that you see in the movies, but you only get glimpses here and there. So for me, I actually did really like even the repetitive stuff. I did like going and doing all of that because it was cool to see on a larger scale all of these cities that you really only get a glimpse of here and there. So I thought that was fun. And I think that that's a unique way to play a game. Now, granted, Star Wars is already an established world. So you're kind of jumping into something that's already established which is probably why it is so interesting to explore. That's They probably already have that hook, you know, of like, hey, yeah, you want to go explore it because you've seen it in the movies. Whereas if it was a game on that same scale, it would probably get boring really quickly because you're like, okay, it's just another world, like whatever, kind of similar to the last one, kind of not. So I, I don't know. I don't really know what my point was, but that was I interesting. Think, <laughs> do we ever oh. have points to our ramblings? <laughs> no, I don't know. no. Well, I was going to say, I think it's it's very odd because what we've been talking about are a lot of single player or co-op-esque maps that have exploration 
primarily in mind. But then when you come to something like a, a multiplayer or a competitive shooter type game, those maps are designed completely differently from a single player game experience. Liam and I have been playing a lot of PUBG recently. And I think our biggest complaint are, are actually the maps are a little too big, which is funny. Like we want smaller maps. And I think it's because there's not enough going on within the map. We're not engaging with players fast enough that we're just running across an open field for 10 minutes and then we just get shot. I will give them benefit of the doubt. The earlier maps, PUBG was a bit different. And I feel like I had a bit more of a fear factor and a bit more of a mysterious mystery factor with their their, their uh, biggest maps. And it, I kind of had that because it was so big and it took so long. And the longer you were alive, the more that buildup was there, the more pressure was there to win it and survive even longer. But now that the times have changed and people only are there to just fight and shoot and do whatever and get in and out of the game as quickly as possible, I feel like... Yeah, it, it it needs just a smaller area and a better way to connect with the other players that are playing against us. Games like PUBG and Fortnite and everything, there is like that. There's still that fear factor because it is a timed element of you need to get within the circle in a certain amount of time. So you can't really do a lot of ex- like the exploration that you do have is like frantic because you're not really like looking at the scenery around you or enjoying the sights or enjoying the game because that's not the point of the game is yeah. to enjoy the map. The point of the game is to win. So you have to like, okay, here, okay, now let's go over here. Okay, let's go over here. Oh, crap, I heard something. You know, you, you have to, because it's timed, you have to go, go, go. And I think maybe having a larger map, yeah, could hinder it because of the fact that it's, that that isn't the point of the game. But it makes things more interesting being like, oh, crap, we're on the opposite end of the map. We have to figure out how to not die and get to the other end ASAP. I think the biggest part of playing or making a map like that, like in, making an online or a multiplayer map is not about the map itself and exploration. It's about the gameplay. How, oh, yeah. does it affect, hmm. how does it make the gameplay reach its fullest potential when making these these maps? And that is something that like the biggest maps have started to hinder is that the gameplay is starting to get more and more boring all the smaller maps are they keep you engaged and it it's interesting because i think there's a lot of unique places sometimes in PUBG maps where you like stop and look and you're like this is awesome terrain but it's just nowhere close to where anyone is fighting and you never get to experience it as a player and it's like it's because this map is way too big if it was a little you know a little smaller maybe it could they could justify it being here but since it's not it can never be appreciated and so on and so forth it's a very odd thing in multiplayer competitive maps so what i'm hearing is it all depends <laughs> yeah it all depends well, on yeah. The everything, game. everything depends everything depends. Yeah. depends so you try to figure out the situations and the rules that make it depend one way or the other. I think that's the the interesting thing about any kind of art is, you know, art depends upon what you like and what it was supposed to be and how you're supposed to make it. So, you know, one of the things we're, I guess, trying to do with this podcast, besides just rant to each other, is try to figure out these things. What, what are the situations? What are the rules that yeah. make something worth it or not worth it? How can you break those rules? Yeah, it always depends. 
I think something with like PUBG or Battle Royales is they have towns and stuff, which are your tension choke points. And the idea of getting between them might be a little scary if you don't have a vehicle or something. But I I kind of agree because I've played very few Battle Royales, but that was my least favorite aspect of them is if I want to get to something like that is cool in the distance or a new town or go looking for something, then I get bored very quickly when I have to spend 10 minutes running. And to Liam's point, there's probably a better way to do that where you have smaller distances between those choke points where the action usually occurs. And, you know, I'm sure somebody will come up with it at some point. Well, I think it's not in the battle royale genre, but if you look at most battlefield games, they nail that. There's so many they specifically put here. You have to go capture this point and it's on the edge of the map. And now you have to run in between. But there's a bunch of enemies in between you and there's no permadeath. So it's like you're get you get to experience a different part of the map each time you play and each life that you have. And almost all of it is unique, whether it's like, oh, I'm I have a quad bike on top of a tank and he's shooting me across the map and we're being really stupid. Or if it's you're legitimately on the ground and you're just getting to explore a little bit. I think those maps are really fun because within their own right, you're having your own story being told every single time you play that game, whether it be good or bad. Now, what about games like WoW? Where I, which I only think that Mike is the only one that's played WoW here. I've played it. Oh, you've played it? Oh, okay. So the maps within those, you know, you have different quests that you go on to the different regions of the map. And so it's the map is utilized in that sense. But I feel like games like WoW or RuneScape, if you're super cool, (laughs) it's more about the, in my mind, the interaction of talking with all of the people who are also playing and like making friends or enemies of people online. So in that sense, maybe the maps are used on a greater sense because people are trying to find like, hey, where do you want to go and hang out and do dumb stuff online? Or I don't know. Uh, But I also haven't really played WoW or RuneScape. I played a little bit of RuneScape. But for those who have played stuff like that, what are are you guys' thoughts on those kind of games? I would say that most MMOs are designed MMOs, that's thinking of basically three things. First of all, they want to slow down your experience. I think with WoW, a lot of the times you you do have to travel around the world on like, you know, amount that I you can either have or and obviously I've played WoW way back in the day, so it could be totally different now. But you would also have flight paths between towns. So you'd have to pay gold to go on a flight, which would sometimes take like 10 minutes of flying. And the purpose of that, I believe, is to two things is to slow down the pacing so that you're not constantly engaged in something, but also it's to extend the amount of time that you're online. So you subscribe to the service more. And I guess once I started seeing it that way of like, why does it take so long to do this? I want to do the fun thing, but I realize, oh, it's kind of just trying to push me into another month of subscription because I can't get all these things done and I have to play it Mm. every day in order to do it. So when I figure stuff like that, I, I kind of, you know, lost interest in most MMOs. I think the other thing, though, is that if you are playing in a world and, you know, you typically have a quest where it's like, go kill 10 of these beasts and make sure they give you a bone. And when you're fighting in in WoW and you kill a beast, there's a drop percentage for each individual enemy to give you that bone or that item. And if you had a bunch of people doing the same quest, 
than you all just standing around waiting for something to respawn so that you could kill it yeah. to hopefully get that item. So when you make a really big world, you are more capable of spreading out the experience of your individual quests that you need to do, as opposed to having everybody grouped up just waiting in line for their chance to possibly get something. So it's kind of like a balancing act. You, you try to give an open experience to somebody who's in the world alone, but at the same time, it seems like they're putting more pacing restrictions in place so that you do remain subscribed for longer periods of time. I played Elder Scrolls Online and it's not a subscribe based MMO. It's just uh, you download it and play it. So there's there's none of that aspect to it of trying to keep you playing longer and longer because you already have it. You can just play it however much you want. Only real problem with that is there's a good amount of the world that you had to pay through DLC to buy which makes sense because i mean you buy a dlc then you get more content through the thing through the parts of the world you just unlocked but it's still a massive world it's still a massive map i mean it's several elder scroll games into one so you still have a lot of places to explore uh, i mean personally i would never saw myself as an mmo guy but when i played that i got very addicted very quick and i realized i need to put that away because there's just a <laughs> lot of it just once you start one quest, you you've unleashed everything, and you just keep on playing. You you <laughs> dig yourself to a hole of doing more and more and more quests. And once you realize, once you've gotten to a quest too far, and you're like, oh shoot, I'm not strong enough for this, then you go start other quests to get yourself more powerful. So then you can go back to those main quests that you can continue. I think that's one thing. And when I was looking at this game, I saw a lot of people who were like levels way too high and played way too long i was like oh and, and then i started to realize there's a lot of different ways that you can like pay to just completely like skip a lot of parts and get very far ahead and i didn't i only played like 60 hours of that game so i'm not i'm not a huge mmo expert it's only mmo i've ever played but i feel like it is a poor a big part of the mmo ploys to try and find you try to get you into a way where you need to progress and you just it, that's what it keeps on trying to get you to progress and progress and progress without end and so the maps kind of reflect that with an elder scrolls online there's just everywhere everywhere you go there's some kind of quest or some kind of side thing or main thing to do and you reuse the same places multiple times and it had i mean it had the entire content of tamriel to explore so there's a lot of different places to go to and it was really fun thankfully i didn't have to worry about the um subscription thing yeah yeah i actually played guild wars 2 and that was that was surprisingly a really wonderful map and world in general and i think it had one really really good trick up its sleeve it took mario's star system where you just go around and collect a bunch of extra stars and it used that but that was an actual currency that you could use in game i believe to purchase things so if you needed it was it, it was like hey go explore if you can get on the, the very top of the tippy top of this area you can get that star cool you can now use that as a currency to go buy like cool weapons or whatever so it made exploring fun and it also made everything memorable every time i went into an area it was like oh i had to find a weird way to parkour up this area to get the star so i could spend it on a cool weapon and i i think it was a wonderful trick to make me explore the world and actually enjoy it instead of just run around doing mindless quests and forgetting the world the only real mmo i played was puzzle pirates Ooh. <laughs> which you're a pirate Ooh. and all of the activities are puzzles so sailing 
and building and carpentry. It was all puzzles that you could play. Navigating, also a puzzle. It was a lot. It was actually a lot of fun. I played way too many hours of that. But you did have to like spend real money in order to like rank up or buy your own ship. You could pay regular gold to get those things, but it took for absolutely ever to get to that point. So you you were supposed to you know buy yeah. there are gold doubloons that you could purchase for real money to buy thing these things faster. And I I enjoyed that game a lot. But if you don't play within thirty days, they erase your account which is really frustrating. That's so, nice to keep you oh, yeah. in that addictive <laughs> mentality. You. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly seeking toxic. the reward, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that my biggest problem with MMOs, you kind of touched on a bit, Liam, which is there is no end. Like, you just mm. see people can get more powerful. And I, the, the older I get, the more I enjoy endings to video games, especially yeah. games that you really, really you know, like, like when I just played God of War recently, I loved the fact that it ended. And as soon as it ended, I didn't feel like I needed to go keep beating all the side bosses and doing all the quests and stuff. I was like, I am very mm-hmm. satisfied at this moment, but I never felt really satisfied with an MMO. I just felt like, Ooh, I got this piece, which makes me a little bit stronger so I can get the next piece. And there's always that mm-hmm. there's, there's oh, but there's a bigger more. reward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or I know like WoW would come out with like DLCs where it's like, hey, it's a brand new race you can play. So you'd have to start everything over from the beginning. Well, like, yeah, every it. every WoW expansion ups their levels by 10, I believe. Or and then five they have just some like, yeah, five or 10. So it's like they're constantly being like, OK, the grind starts now. Yeah, you can grind for the best gear possible. And if you get five levels more powerful then you pretty much have useless gear at that point. And it just, it never makes sense to me to, I understand the idea that you want to keep going, but if it's, if it's gameplay only that you care about, that's great. You can keep getting better. But if you also want to be invested in a story or a world, I think you need an ending. And, you know, we can relate this all the way back to, well, the Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings. A lot of people complain about the ending to Lord of the Rings. Return of the King specifically, and how it just goes on and on. And I think that's the best part of all three films because it gives you a long ending where it's like, no, this is it. You know, you've just spent anywhere from nine to 12 hours watching this stuff. We're going to give you a half hour of people crying and saying goodbye and stuff because it it finalizes it and it goes, okay, although I enjoyed it. And I might want more. I don't need it because I know this is the finale to it. That's that's mm-hmm. my huge, a huge problem I have with a lot of media these days is specifically TV shows and movies. The endings are never conclusive. They're always like they always just leave it a teeny bit open because they're like franchise, maybe. For example, one a few endings that I love Parks and Recs for sure. One of the best endings I've ever seen because I just spent a whole episode being like, okay, here, you're going to see where all these characters get to go. And you have a lot of closure to everything you just watched. I mean, the whole last season was just like, sure, it was definitely like tacked on. But at the same time, it was like, we're concluding this show now. Everyone's characters are coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And it, they did something very similar with The Good Place where you felt like the last episode was these characters finalizing. You're getting a conclusion. You're being satisfied with where their arcs are going. So yeah, very nice to have those. Yeah, endings are so important in that aspect. Mm -hmm. I was actually really invested in the Elder Scrolls online story. 
Uh, I was like, yo, I really want this. I don't really want to finish this, but I will play way too much of this. Because I, I had a friend who had like over 200 hours in it, and he still hadn't finished the main story. And I was like, oh, God. how long is the main story? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll come back another time. Because I, I got 60 hours. And the whole point of the game is to go through this massive civil war that the whole continent goes through. At the 60 hours, and they only just started to talk about the possibility of a civil war and like (laughs) (laughs) the the possibility of factions like creating and fighting. I was like, okay, maybe I need to take a break. So I don't know. It is really nice to have endings. I don't want a story to be concluded too quickly, but also don't want something to go on too long. I think my favorite ending of anything recently is the Clone Wars because of how perfectly they just wrap up everything. They wrap up everything great for this little show that shouldn't be wrapped up great because it started off so badly but i I don't know i think conclusion is a good thing i think conclusion is a great thing if you know how to do it right unlike a lot of i think a lot of times recently conclusion hasn't been done right they don't know how to end things not just not being like they don't know how to end things like oh it just keeps on going because that's a huge problem obviously but they don't want to end things as they just end them really badly as well that was my problem i know we, both of you don't care with agents of shield that ending it's a it's garbage tv to begin with but like the whole last episode was just another episode until the last it was like let's add extra five minutes to conclude our yeah. characters and that pisses me off i hate that so much i think that yeah there needs to be a proper send-off to something that you've dedicated your time to and not just like hey here's five minutes at the end of this 10 year long series or whatever it is like it like Mike was saying with Lord of the Rings like you need to have a proper send off to something that you've just dedicated all this time watching because it's not only for the story itself but it's for the fans like the whole reason why it's still going or why it was created was for the fans that are going to enjoy it I mean also money I get it but (laughs) money but I think that it leaves you unsatisfied when you don't have that proper proper send off either. You need to wrap things up, but not. Yeah, now that Missy's not here, I'm going to bring up Star Trek Voyager (laughs) and how the ending for that was so disappointing to me as somebody who was young watching it, you know, live and live, you know, watching it when it premiered. But you have seven years of watching this TV show where they're trying to get back home and you're invested in all the characters and they're talking about how much they miss home and how great home is. And in that show, it's the last minute and it's just like, we're home. And it doesn't even show any of the characters back on Earth and reconnecting with people. You could have made that last episode twice as long and spent the last half of it. Just them hugging their families and being so excited Mm -hmm. because as a viewer... You get to how you get to see their story arc concluded, but the way that they did it in Voyager is that they were they just left it open. You're like, okay, they got home. I don't really need to see the characters' satisfaction. I don't need that reward and payoff for it. And I think that that is it. The biggest problem that I see with endings is that they don't focus on the character arc. They conclude the plot and not the characters. They don't get the characters mm. to a point where you're like okay, something has affected Mm -hmm. them or something has changed. It's just like, okay, well, the plot's done now. Bran gets to be king. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. I really was waiting for that. (laughs) Which, honestly, I don't think was a terrible choice, but whatever. (laughs) 
I really don't. I was like, cool, I, whatever. Bruh. I didn't see it coming. I'm, Great, fine. I'm, bruh. Sure, sure. Bruh. I actually think that is a perfectly normal like choice for those characters uh. to make within the world. I just don't think it's a satisfying choice at all. I agree. I don't think it's satisfying, but I'm like, whatever. I, it's it's. I don't care. <laughs> it's fine. It's not the like everybody is like, I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, they have too many. We have too many other things to complain about. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, ending. that being the complaint <laughs> well, is the dumbest part to me. <laughs> All right, Liam, go off. I'll have to say one great thing <laughs> about Game of Thrones is that is world building. The world in Game of Thrones is probably the best I've seen in almost anything. And it's a, it has a massive map. A lot of details, a lot of things going there, a lot of characters, good story, you know? I think, honestly, Game of Thrones probably is the best map. Best world, not map, world. And map, too. There's actually maps in Game There's of Thrones. There's actually huge yeah, maps. Yeah. It has a, a map. massive map. Very detailed, It really too. does. <laughs> I would love a Game of Thrones MMR And it's amazing how you game. can get from, like, one side of it to the other in, like, <laughs> like <laughs> one episode. By running. <laughs> no, in like five minutes. Yeah. You just need a quick running montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll just be You just good. need to go to the coldest place ever and <laughs> just run back. Easy. You've only lived in summer. <laughs> well, I think that is a good ending to our podcast. I think we're satisfied. Guys, or I we're not. I don't know. We're leaving anyways. Either way. Goodbye. Bye. Just kidding. We want to thank you guys for listening. <laughs> we really, really appreciate it. This is a satisfying ending, is us thanking you and giving you a little extra. Thank you so much for listening into our shenanigans. Are there any video games that you think could have had a bigger world or a smaller world? Have you seen the boys? Let us know. You can reach us on 1L2N Productions at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit, and also 1L2N Productions.com, which is our website. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support for us over here at 1L2N, you can head on over to our Patreon. That would be much appreciated. And the last word of the day is going to go to Mike. Take it away. I really think The Boys is a trash TV show with some good moments. So go don't watch it. <laughs>